My name is Anthony Capazzoli. I am the host of the Dismantle Life podcast and I'm a recovering alcoholic and drug addict after nearly 40 years of addiction. I've been clean and sober for nearly four years and work hard to help others find recovery. Join me each episode to learn from my sober superhero guests and how they went from the darkness of addiction into the sunlight of recovery. Dismantled Life can be found on Digitent Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I don't like to spend a lot of time talking about, you know, all of the gladiator stories. We've all heard them. We've all been there. We've all done that. We all get it. But um, unless it's relevant to the story, like I, I, I say that if there's a point of contact in there somewhere, it's important for people to hear, to let them know that no matter how bad it gets, you can get better. Right. Uh, okay. So that's good news because I don't have a lot of gladiator stories. Good. You know, I, I, I had my first drink when I was 12 years old. Uh, I was, I was one of eight kids. My dad was an alcoholic. Uh, for whatever reason, I got the most of it, you know, the brunt of it. Physical, yeah. you know, just I just grew up feeling like, in spite of maybe some evidence to the contrary, I just knew that I was never going to amount to anything. I was no good. I was unlovable. Why does he treat me like this? You know, the whole nine yards. Now, I did very well in school. I excelled at every sport that I did. I mean, I made the all-star team in baseball. I played in some, some city golf tournaments and did very well. Um, but on the inside, I just knew I it was never going to be no, – nothing was ever going to be enough. I was never going to be enough. Right. Um, so at, at 12, I mean, it's kind of hard, like, to be 12 years old, and that's the way you feel. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a tough reality to deal with. Yeah, so um, – you know, so the first chance I had to drink, I did. And yeah. I mean, I just did the math afterwards. I mean, for for about an hour, I felt amazing. Like I shotgun six beers in <laughs> 10 minutes. Yeah. And I had never had a drink. I was five foot nothing. I weighed 90 nothing. Right. And so six beers in 10 yeah. minutes would just crush you. And it did. Yeah, for sure. But I just remember thinking, I want to feel like this forever. And of course, the same six beers, like two hours later, have, have a very different effect. And, you know, I wound up like in our neighbor's bushes, didn't know how I got there, uh, you know. Yeah. And so then I felt like death for two days. And I thought, God, I'll never do that again. Can't do that again, right? <laughs> yeah. Until the next time I can't deal with how I'm feeling. And so, you know, I got into high school and then the party started to happen. And I never went to a party if there wasn't a keg there. It's just like, no, nah, I'm not going to go to that one. Nah, yeah. No, I got something else to do, um, you know. But if there was beer there, I was going. Um, at the same time, I started doing all the other stuff, too. You know, smoking and then, you know, it didn't lead to much more like in my high school years. But like when I graduated high school and I went to work, um, I mean, I should tell you that I got suspended from high school three times. Mm -hmm. all three times drinking related yeah but you know no no it wasn't my fault you know i didn't I'm, do it i, I was no, a situation. yeah i totally wrong place wrong time i'm the victim i mean i'm the i i love the victim card and uh <laughs> and so there's starting to be some evidence that like maybe i had a problem in the meantime my alcoholic dad had quit drinking you know so he was done and i was going into like what i call launch mode right and, and it just didn't it didn't work out very well for me that way. Yeah. Um, so I get suspended three times. I managed to get out of high school and, and I don't want to go to college because I it's like I don't know what I want to do. And it's like that seems like way too much effort for somebody as lazy as me that just mm. wanted to sit around and drink and smoke. And, you know, so I got a job and uh, I started making good money. I mean, this is 1978 into 79. Mm -hmm. You know, I was 18 years old. And I was making at that time like 18 bucks an hour, which at that yeah, that's time pretty solid money back then. Yeah. So I just started increasing my habits and I started to like snort stuff and I started to just do anything that would make me feel different than the way I felt. Yeah. I hated the way I felt. Yeah. Um and you know, at, at some point my my dad just, you know, I got fired from that job that my dad's neighbor and best friend for like 30 years got me 
So imagine the shame that my dad had having his best friend tell him, yeah, I had to terminate your kid today because, you know, we found him drinking on the drive and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, but again, not my fault. I can't believe not it. My like, fault. Everybody yeah, else is doing it. Exactly. Like, it was, we were on lunch and it got, got carried away in the whole story, right? Yeah. It's like, I have a 30 minute lunch break. Everyone else was doing it. It's like, why are they picking on me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, he's, he's like, look, he called me into our kitchen for like this conversation and I said, look, your mom and I are very concerned. And, um, oh, you know, there's another story. And so this will be the last of the stories. My parents went to California. I was like, ah, oh, no, I can't get off. They were going out to see my brother. It's like, ah, oh, no, sorry, you know, I got to work. I can't, I can't get the time off. In the back of my mind is, I am having a kegger every single night at my house, and it's party time. Right? <laughs> party time, right? Yeah. So that went on for a week until my sister came home a day early. Oh boy! Only to find the and my older sister, who's a psychologist, and you know, yeah, finds the house, house in the shambles, and, you know, and she says. You look like you were like slithered in a chair, like half dead, eyes rolling back in your head. So she ratted me out to my parents. And that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. I'll bet. You know, I'm 18 years old and my dad's sending me off to a treatment center. And I just thought, man, this like, and I don't know what it was. And and this is kind of where the, the title of the book comes, Grace and Golf. Okay. The Grace. See, and I'm going to weave back and forth a little bit. So please. I... I wrote this book at the urging of my cousin. See, I I won a golf tournament in Turkey. And part of this su success story and, you know, overcoming these issues with God's grace is I quit playing golf. I was really good when I was a kid. And I, I played four or five hours a day. I was always playing and practicing. But when I started drinking and doing drugs, it was like, forget it. Right. I had no more interest. They pack away the clubs. And um, so I ended up, you know, many years later, like this is 20, 2016. Uh, I won a, a golf tournament sponsored by Turkish Airlines in Washington, D.C. They sponsored 100 tournaments all over the globe. So I win the D.C. tournament. Uh, and so they fly me to Turkey to play against the other 99 winners. And. The winner of the two-day event in Turkey gets to play with Tiger Woods in the Turkish Open. Wow. Exactly. Wow. That's awesome. So I end up winning the whole thing. And Tiger canceled. Oh, no. I was so pissed. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, that would have been quite a day. Right. So anyway, so my cousin, who's our family historian, I mean, interesting family. My dad, his brother, and their sister married my mom, her sister, and their brother. So three Buckleys married three De Pasquales. Irish, <laughs> Sicilian, like all the way back. Right. They all had eight kids. We all grew up in upstate New York, like 10 minutes from each other. So Sundays were crazy. I'll right? bet they were nuts. So my cousin, Philly De Pasquale, he's a historian. He's been to Sicily. He's been to Ireland. He's traced our genealogy like a professional. Like he could tell you who married who in 1780, right? That's amazing. I would love that. That's pretty cool. Right. So he he starts bothering me. I don't know. The tournament was in November of 16. So maybe it was 2018. He's like, you know, cause you should really write a story about the Turkish Open. And I'm like, forget it. Never going to happen. I'm like, I'm not going to write a story about me in this. No. But he just kept, he kept bothering me. Yeah. I mean, for literally probably a couple of years, Anthony. And one day he calls me and my cousin's a lot bigger than me. And he called me and he kind of cursed me out. Like he called me. He's like, look at here, you blankety, blankety, blank. I've been to the mountains of Sicily and the fields of Ireland. I've traced our family history, black, blah, blah, blah. And like, this is not like some muni tournament you won. You went to a different country and beat guys from all over the world. It's part of our family story. You need to document it. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I end up writing 25 pages one day just because I just am tired of listening to him. And my wife's best friend's daughter was the editor at the Wall Street Journal. So I sent it to her and I said, hey, Michelle, will you read this? But I want you to be brutal, like you're reading it for the paper, because I really don't want to write this story. Yeah, this is not what I want to do. Get me out yeah. of this. You know, and I figured for sure she'd be like, yeah, this is really cute, but don't quit your day job, right? Yeah. 
But she said, wow, she goes, you know, I don't know anything about golf, but this is really well written. Like, I felt like I was with you. And then you have a little bit of personal stuff in there. It's like, this is what brings people in. You should totally work on it. Anyway, that's where it hit me. This book is not about me. It's about God's grace. That's why grace in golf, because I never get to Turkey if it aren't for these several moments of grace in my life that I talk about in the book that allowed me to like, like God's grace is there for everybody. Okay. It's not like I have like, anybody's got the reserve on it. It's like, you just got to be open to it and you got to be willing to like do some stuff to like maybe yeah, get it. Right. Sure. So anyway, so that's kind of the premise. I was a guy that like was lost. And that first moment of grace is when my dad sent me to treatment and the grace came in where, I mean, I had my 19th birthday in a treatment center. It's like, you don't quit drinking when you're 19, you start. Right. But there was something, and I can only attribute it to God's grace, that said, look, if you're going to be in this place for seven weeks, why don't you at least try to have an open mind? Maybe you're going to learn something. Maybe there's something here that can help you break away from this addictive behavior that's killing you, right? Um, so that was the first moment. And then... When I got out of there, I was 19 years old and I didn't really do anything. Like I didn't do any follow-up to try to make sure that like I maintain this sobriety. And as a result, in the first year and a half, I drank three different times. Like mm -hmm. I didn't drink for three months. I just like, okay, I went to treatment. Everything's okay. Yeah. But then like one day I didn't like the way I felt. I was like, yeah, what the hell? I'm just going to drink. I'm 19. I'll do this if I want to. Yeah, so this will be fine. I'll be okay. And, you know, the sad thing is I work with a lot of kids now. And sometimes, you know, they're like, well, you know what? I got three months this time. Right. I'm like, what do you mean this time? It's like, this is the time. Don't presume you have another time. Like, you know how many people I've buried that are your age in 30 years? That's never going to happen to them. Until it does, because you just think you have a next time. I said, look, buddy, this is the time. And like, but I was one of them. Three months went back out. Oh, geez, how did that happen? Yeah. So, and in typical, like, addictive behavior, no responsibility. I'm the victim. And so, it's like, I had a guy tell me, he's like, what do you think? You're watching a movie? Like, this is happening to you? Like, no, don't go into that bar. It's like, no. Like, you are an active participant in why you went and got drunk. This is not somebody else's fault, right? Yeah. And so, like, after the third time, I was like, man, you know, maybe I need to find one of these, like, spiritual director guys that can, like, help me when I'm feeling, like, a little bit of urge. And and this guy was great because this is back in 1981. You know, and being a golfer, he says, you know, Jack Nicholas has a caddy. Okay. He doesn't make all the decisions. He runs stuff by somebody else. You know, the president, he's got like a whole cabinet. He ha has people to help him. You think you can just do this by yourself? No. He's like, I'm here to help you. But you got it. You got it. You know, he gave me this card. It's a great card. Um, it has a little scripture on it. It says, you know, if faith without works is dead. Right. But this card says, if faith without works is dead, then willingness without action is fantasy. I'm I love like, that. I was like, I'm like, hey, wait, why are you giving me this card? You know? Yeah. He's like, because you like to talk a good game, but you don't do anything. Like, when was the last time you tried to help another guy? Okay. When was the last time? It's like, no wonder you keep going back out. Right? Yeah. He's like, he's like, dude, you got ADD. It's like ADD. Well, it's like finally this guy gets me. I mean, I do have ADD sometimes. Even ask my wife. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You've got a different kind of ADD. He goes, it happens with a lot of alcoholics and drug addicts. I said, what's that? <clears throat> it's called action deficit disorder. He goes, you don't want to take any action. You just want like all this stuff to happen to you. He goes, it doesn't right. work that way. Yeah, you, you got to put the work in. Yeah, you got to put the work in. And what happened was I started to put the work in. You know, and I went back to school. I, you know, I, I dusted off my golf clubs and I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I love this game. I'm going to try to do it again. And I ended up doing it well enough where I got a scholarship. And I, I went to college and I went to hotel school 
and I, and I got out of there and and I was managing hotels for Hyatt hotels. That's awesome. And, and I and I was doing it for you know probably sixteen years. Um, but like probably I was probably sober 16, 17 years, and my spiritual director passed away. Hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, you know what? I'm successful now. I'm running hotels. I I'm wearing Giorgio Armani suits. I'm taking limos everywhere. I'm staying right. in the presidential suite. I'm good. Don't worry about me. Right. right. And it's like, I started taking credit for all the good stuff in my life. It's like, I'm at least giving credit to God and like the help I've been given by these men and a few women, but mostly men to like make sure I stayed on the right path, right? And and what happened was I didn't get another spiritual director. And over the course of like the next year of living this life of like highfalutin, like I'm somebody finally, even though on the inside, I still got that little ghost saying, you're no good loser. You don't deserve any of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so I start acting like I, I, I'm like owed something like I'm entitled, not like I've been blessed with this great life. It's like, well, what, what about me? Right. And, and my, my first wife's like, look, man, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this detail. She goes, you know, you're just, you're not nice. I don't know what happened to you, but you're, you're just not nice. You know? And I got divorced. I was almost 18 years sober and I got divorced and it like hit me like a ton of bricks. And, and again, Anthony, it's like, I, I thought like I was watching it happen to me. Like I didn't take any participation. Like I wasn't acting incongruently with like God's mercy and God's grace. I was just like full of me. Right. Ego, ego, ego. And so a quick question though, like when you said you started doing the work, you dusted off the golf clubs, went back to school, um, did, what, what what other kind of work did you do? Do you mean like you just started taking your life seriously? You started to take accountability? You got rid of the ego? Like, what does that work look like? Okay, uh, the work looks like um, I got I got pretty involved in 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 my church, mm-hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I grew I grew up in a very devout home. Both of my parents were very devout, um, and I just lost sight of it. Yeah, you know, and yeah. there was there was a part of me that was just kind of certain that I had, I had used up all my favors. Like, like, like God was done with me. Like, I know how you feel. Like yeah. the lightning bolt was like, all right, thank God I got rid of that guy. Right. And, yes. and, 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 you know, luckily again, I got a spiritual director. He says, look, I, I just want you to understand something. You know, God, he's been around, I don't know, since the beginning of time, you know, let's just call it 5,000 years you know, tens of billions of people on the face of the planet. They all have access to his perfect mercy. I don't think you're the one guy that's pissed him off so bad. (laughs) No mercy for him, (laughs) you know? And he puts it in such a way that I feel so stupid. He goes, that's just your ego. Like you think what you did in 1977 has offended him that like he's done with you. Right. Let me put you this way. His mercy is like an ocean. And what you did in 77 was like a lit match going into the ocean. Okay. I just want you to understand that's the, the enormous way to put it. That's an interesting view. I, I, I agree with that. But we all have that moment. Like I still struggle with that concept to this day. Uh, I'm not worth it. I'm not worthy. What I did back then makes me a piece of shit. I'm still a piece of shit. I still have to fight that uphill battle in my head. Not every day, but from time to time. And I got to keep my ego in check. Like I still like, like you, like I can't take any of that for granted. I have to practice grace every day. If I don't, I feel the tension building up. I feel the anger building up. I feel the internal hatred building up. And then I start making bad little choices. And then all of a sudden, you know, it can go real bad from there. Thankfully, it's been five years clean and sober, but there's moments where I'm like, this is going to be the day I've got to white knuckle through this because I'm having a tough run here. And I get that. I totally get that. Yeah. I mean, I I've had two very successful careers, 16 years with Hyatt. And today is actually my 19th anniversary with my current company. Oh, congratulations. And you know, Hyatt and my current company, they keep moving me along, keep promoting me, but there are days I'm telling you, Anthony, I go into the office. Today's the day they're going to find out, man. 
Today's the I'm day. I am, I am an imposter. They're going to yes. find out, like, how did this guy get away with this for now? Yeah, get no. rid of him immediately. Yeah, we got to get somebody in here that's quiet. I totally get that. That's right. a real deal issue. Yeah. So, so anyway, you know, this guy got me to understand, like, I am not, not worthy, you know? He goes, what you need to do is start taking actions as if. He goes, none of us are really worthy. That's that's why, you know, he's there to bring us in, right? And all of our imperfections. And, and so I started going to church again. And, you know, if a funny thing happened, you know, uh, for the after the third time I went back out, I... I, I thought I got to do something different. And so I got the spiritual director and, and he started getting me more focused on God and like, and just trying to pray. He goes, just, it's a simple prayer. God help me stay clean and sober today. Just, it can be as simple as that. For sure. And, and then at night, God, thanks for helping me stay sober or, you know, keeping me sober today. And it can be as simple as that. Yeah. And you know what? Funny thing happened, Anthony, like I thought about drinking every single day. Oh, for sure. Okay. God, I just wish I could do another line. Just, I need a quick pick me up, you know. And and probably after three or four months after praying like that every single day, I woke up one day, and the thought occurred to me: It's like, man, I didn't think about drinking yesterday. I was like, kind of thinking, I haven't thought about drinking in like a month, <laughs> and it like hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, maybe there's something to this, like surrender. This like God, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give you everything. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure I want to. <laughs> you know, I'm sure I want to take some of it back, but I, I want you to have everything. And and when I made that decision, like I said, I and it's like a lot of things in life. It's like I don't see it until it's like way off in the rearview mirror. It's like oh oh, that's why that worked out, right? And and so I started taking those kind of actions. I was like, all right, God, I'm gonna like every day. I'm gonna it's like I'm gonna give it over to you. And I'm going to do my best. And I know I'm going to screw up, yeah. but, you know, I'm going to do my best. And and so that's like one thing. I started, like, trying to help other young kids like me, because I was young at the time, who were struggling with the same thing. I was like, look, man, there's a way out. There's a way out. I mean, this this change that, I, that I'm, I'm suggesting, that's not the, the difficult thing. Change isn't difficult. You know what's difficult? resistance to change you know when you fight against it when when you just surrender and say all right i'm going to surrender my judgment i'm going to try something new all right i don't really i'm not sure that what this guy is telling me is believable but i'm going to try it because my way isn't working yeah and when i started like taking direction from somebody else i saw the results in my life and, and he says look your job is to now give it to the next guy that's the way this thing works right i love that and, and and I started doing that. And then, like I said, I had the spiritual director. He passed away. And now I don't have anybody, like, giving me direction. And I'm so focused on my career and my suits and my limos and my presidential suites and all this stuff. It's like I start becoming a maniac again. Like, I don't have to drink to be totally self-absorbed and full of myself, so much so that, like, my wife says, look, man, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, job. this is not what I need. I, and that's the part that I share with people. You know, I'll get calls from time to time from people asking for help kind of on their last, you know, they're struggling. They don't know what to do. They know they want to quit drinking. They don't know how. And and, and one of the things I say is like you, not drinking gives you the ability to deal with yourself the right way. You, But there's a lot of work involved. It's not just yeah. taking the alcohol away is... The, I and I don't mean this, and I don't say this lightly. Please understand: is the easy part. If there's nothing easy about it, but but in a conversation, I'll say it that way because the rest of it is the hard work. And going back, to my little mother prayer that I say to myself is: God, please give me the strength and grace to help myself today. And then when I go to bed, I simply say, "Thank you for the strength and grace you gave me today." And that's it. And I don't ask for specifics except for how I can help myself and help others and be a part of their success, you know, and, and, and truly give 
every chance I can, be grateful for what I have and, and know that, you know, I'm not going to lose today. At this moment, I'm not going to lose. And there are moments, there are times, a lot of them, I have to be honest, where I'm like, I'm really struggling. I'm really having a hard day, a hard moment, who knows? And then like a little bits of old me pop up and then I catch myself and I'm like, where did that come from? And it just comes out of nowhere. It's the weirdest thing. And that, but, but what's nice now being five years in, I, I recognize it. I accept it. I think about it. I don't run from it. I feel the emotion of it. And then I move past it in a good way. I don't hide it. I don't bury it. I, I kind of, I apologize for it to someone or something or to myself, depending on what the situation is. And, right. and know that it's going to happen again. I'm going to be okay. I, and it doesn't make me a piece of shit. Like, it, it, you know, and that that's the part that is so hard to share with people that haven't gone through that, those moments yet. Yeah. So you, you said a couple of things there that just really resonated with me that, you know, I've tried to impart, you know, on the men that I help. It's like the first one is, is, is 100% accurate. It's like stopping drinking. It's like, that's the easy part. You know, if it was the hard, okay. If, if, if staying sober was easier than getting sober, Nobody would ever start drinking again. Right. Okay. If it was easier, it's more difficult. It's like once you take alcohol is a symptom or drugs are the symptom. You take that away. Like alcohol is the thing that allowed me to live in my own skin without killing myself, you know, because I feel so bad about myself. Yeah. Now you take it away. The one thing that's helping me, I got to find some solution where I start to feel whole again and I can live in my own skin with what, without, like wanting to drink or kill myself. Right. Yeah. So that's the harder part, but the hardest part is I got to take the actions. I can't think about taking the action. I got to take them. Take and, them. and the other thing you said is like, you got to remember to be grateful for what you have. And there's a line in there in my book, you know, like we all have stuff. Everybody's got stuff that they got to deal with. And you know what? Focusing on what's right in your life is a recipe for not drinking again. Because yeah. we all have so much to be grateful for if we focus on it. And it doesn't mean that stuff isn't there. Right. But it means I'm going to learn how to deal with it with a little integrity and a little grace and a little dignity. And I don't have to avoid it. I don't have to shove it under the rug. I can, I can look at it, ask for help if I don't know what to do. And that's like another thing. Like yeah. I've, been, I've been sober 42 years. And one thing I know is how much I don't know. That's right. That's I right. have to remain teachable <laughs> no matter how long I'm around here. And like when I was new, you couldn't tell me anything because I knew everything. <laughs> knew everything. I'd argue with everybody about anything and everything. It did not matter. I was smarter, better, whatever it was. Meanwhile, and I you. was the biggest idiot in the room every time. <laughs> and I still am, but at least I know it now. Uh, and and what I, the other part that I enjoy knowing now and being okay with is that most people aren't going to like me and I'm okay with that. Not that they don't, not that they dislike me, not that they hate me, but they don't get one shit one way or the other. And that is perfectly okay. They might even hate me. I don't know. Maybe that's true. I don't care. I don't know. Fine. Enjoy your day. (laughs) Go ahead. I don't care. My spiritual director is like, your problem is you think they're actually thinking about you. That's right. They're busy thinking about themselves. They're not they're thinking about, about you. you. Exactly. What are you worried about? Right. They don't. They could give two shits, and that and, and that goes. You know, friends, family, people you don't know. They could give two shits. Like they they are rarely, if ever, thinking about you or me or anyone but themselves. Generally, yeah. if you don't do what they want, they're going to get mad. Yeah, fine, go ahead. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, to get back to like, like I'm I'm not like a finished product. And like at yeah. 18 years sober, I get divorced. And now I'm in this hotel that I'm managing where the entire corporate office is there. Like every exec from the president down. We had this meeting that we planned for months. Now, for months, I'm living in the house by myself because I'm now divorced. This big house in the western Chicago suburbs. And... I'm just working. 
Okay. I'm just working. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to make it perfect because then I'll be okay. So the meeting goes off flawlessly and we go to the restaurant in the hotel and the president, the vice president, I mean, everybody's there and they start cracking open bottles of Opus one. And if okay. you know anything about wine, sure. I mean, yeah. You can find them for, I don't know. I don't know what they are now. Back then they were like 150. Now they're probably three or 400 probably. Anyway, right. yeah. I'm thinking I'm in, I'm in the restaurant. They're opening these bottles of wine and I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking, you know, what's the, what's the point? You know what? 18 years. And it's like, this is, this is the way my life turned out. I'm divorced. My kids are now down in a different state. I'm in this house by myself. Screw it. Now, I hadn't thought about drinking since I told you, like, the first six months were pretty rough. I thought about it every day. And then when I said, God, please help me, like, he took it away. And so when I had that thought some 17 years later, I was like, what the hell? Where did that come from? Right. What's this? Yeah. You know? And so I looked at my boss, and here again, that night, I didn't have one. I had three moments of grace. First one was, like, when I had the thought, I didn't drink. I heard the voice and it's like, no, you're not going to do that. You know, and I described this in some detail in the book, so I don't want to give it all away. But then the second moment of grace is like, I, I, I looked at the boss. I said, I can't stay here. And he was kind of surprised, like we're celebrating. And it's like, no, I just, I got to go. He's like, go. So I, I went to a church that was literally probably a half a mile from this big house I'm living in Chicago that I had never been to once in the two years I lived in this house, right? Because again, I was so far away from him and just taking credit for everything. I went to this church and there was a like a session going on with like the elders and like there was, I don't know, there's probably a couple hundred church people there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went in there and I raised my hand and I said, you know, I'm almost... 18 years sober and 30 minutes ago, I, I wanted to drink. I was like, my life is over. And uh, I mean, that was only grace, Anthony, because I'm an egomaniac. I can't muster up that kind of ego deflation. I mean, I'm wearing a Giorgio Armani suit. It's like, hey, look at me, look at me, I'm okay. No, I wasn't. I was so like close to throwing it all away. I was like, please help me. And the third moment happened when this guy, he was a, he was a big attorney, uh, and a member of this church for probably 25 years. And he's like, he listened to what I had to say. And, and he, he spoke to me in a way that like got through this cinder block of a head. And I went up to him after the, the church thing was over. And I said, like, man, I, I, I need some help. And he just looked at me. He's like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Right, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like he had, like, like I, like I described. I work with these kids, and they, they want to get better, but like willingness without action is fantasy. And it's like they don't want to do the effort. And, and he's like, look, I don't know why, I don't know why, I don't want to know why you almost drank earlier today. I want to know what your life has looked like for the last six months. Why don't you tell me that, and then we'll get down to like why you wanted to drink tonight. This is not to do with tonight. And and um, and he got me back on a spiritual path. And and that was 25 years ago. And a a quick sidebar. You see this picture behind me? Yeah. 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 That's me and Pope John Paul II and a private private audience in the Vatican. Now, that's awesome. and, And I only bring that up because. Fast forward like a couple of years from that night in Chicago where I met this guy, this attorney, who helped me. I mean, I I just I don't know if you believe in angels, but this guy was like an angel that God sent to like I do believe in them, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So like there were like five other church people that were like patting me on the back for like not like drinking and no close call, but this guy just spoke the truth to me. And fast forward two years, he got offered to go to Rome to have this, you know, audience with, with the Pope. And, and he was in the middle of a case and he couldn't go. So he says, Hey, tell us the priest that's running the trip. He goes, why don't you ask Thomas, you know, he's on fire again. This could probably like make a big impact for him. And um, so I'm about to go to Rome and I call him and say, Hey, look, I really appreciate like everything you've done for me for the last two years. Is there something I can do? Is there something I can bring back? You know, since you can't go, 
let me bring you back something, some momentum. He's like, no, 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 no. He goes, this is what I want you to do. I might get emotional. Yeah. He says, when you're in the Vatican and you're about to meet the Pope, he goes, I just want you to reflect back for five minutes on that moment of grace two years ago when you decided not to pick up that drink that night and you decided to come to church. And I just want you to think about what God has done in your life for those two years to bring you to a place where you're about to meet the Pope and just reflect on his mercy and that moment of grace. And like, it's amazing. Anthony, I'm not kidding. I'm like, I'm in the Vatican and the Pope's about to come in and I'm like wailing, thinking about yeah. how unbelievable. Cause again, like if you're out there and you're listening, you might be struggling and you might think, you know what? I'm I'm clean for three months, but you know what? It's just too much. I can't deal with it. Tonight I'm going to drink. Just don't. Just don't. You don't know how one moment of grace can completely change the entire trajectory of your life. Because look, you're if you're listening and it's like, I don't care about the Pope. There's no big deal. That's okay. Right. right? In my spiritual walk, it was a big deal. And you know, you you have the chance to have your own whatever kind of spiritual walk that will move you away from this addictive, drunken behavior that you're living in. And you don't discount that one moment of grace where you're just like, I'm going to make a decision to suspend my judgment. I'm not going to do that today. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. I'm not doing it today. Today, I'm going to ask for help. Not today. And, I love and, it. and the way it transpired, it's just a story that that I love to tell because sometimes we, we discount them. We think, oh, yeah, I just didn't drink today. I thought about it. But I didn't do it. And you don't know what can I, happen. I, I was, if I, I would have drank that night, well, I can guarantee you one thing. I wouldn't be on the show right now. I might yeah. be, you know, who knows? hundred percent. I, I have first of all, I love the story. I, I I and I what I love about it is the simplicity of like the little things. And I'm not calling what happened to you simple. What I'm saying is it is a choice. It is that moment of grace. You have to accept those moments of grace. And sometimes they are really hard to accept. You don't even want to accept them, but you, you accept them and you fight through that and you decide not today, not at this moment. I'm not drinking. I'm not, you know, driving to the, my drug dealer. I'm, I'm not doing any of that. And you're going to make a harder choice. You're going to sit quietly. You're going to do nothing. You're going to be at peace the best of your ability at that moment. I had, so for me, I had um, a exercise was, was my, my savior. Higher power, God, of course. But what I mean is yeah. my day-to-day -day response to the urge to drink and drug was to walk, box, bike, CrossFit. That's my thing. And I, and I absolutely love it. One day I was going to the gym and I was, it was, I used to go at 530 in the morning to box and I was leaving the gym and it was a cold day and there was no one else in the parking lot. Uh, everyone had already kind of, you know, bundled up and walked out, but I was walking out and there's this old guy in orange like Jack and I had never seen him ever in my life. Mm -hmm. And as I'm walking out, he's whistling and he's got his hands in his pockets and he looks up at me and he goes, did you get all the demons out? I have never seen this man in my life. Didn't know. He didn't, I never seen. And I, I literally got the chills and I'm like, yes, I did, sir. And like, I like that's a Godwink moment. If there ever was one for me, like those little things, like, it, Stand right? straight up. Oh my God. It's, it, it's crazy. And because boxing did get help me get my demons out. CrossFit helps me get my demons out. And it's wonderful when those Godwig moments happen, or you sit back and accept the grace that's given um, or that's attempted to be given. Because a lot of people refuse the grace. And, and that's the part where you have to learn. You have to keep yourself open. And by open, you have to be giving. You have to be loving. You have to be grateful. You have to give it back. And then you can receive. Then you're open to receive, to grow. And, I, you know, people might listen and go, these guys are nuts. But it, it's 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 absolutely everything to me. It's well, yeah, and, me. and the action is where the answer is. Whether, whether the action is like, look, yeah, I pray a lot. I golf, all right? And I look, he gave me a gift to golf. I never had lessons. I had two lessons my whole life. And like, yeah. I can golf. I mean, it was a gift, right? right? So if I golf well, it's like, it honors him, right? But, and, but 
I don't, and, and I, I reference this in the book too. It's like, I didn't take this opportunity for granted. It's like, I'm not just going to go to Turkey and wing it because he gave me a gift. Right. I'm going to work. And like my working sessions to try to hone my skill, you know, were, were a way for me to like do something productive as opposed to doing nothing, yeah. thinking about it, right? Yeah. Whether that's, you know, CrossFit, it, it's anything. It's about taking the action. It's not about thinking about taking the action, right? It's about doing action. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just it's about finding what that thing is. Because yeah. what, what I what I what I learned over time is like I had to find something to replace the other stuff that was Definitely. killing me. Right. Yeah. And it could be any number of things. It's like find your passion. Right. Find your passion. That's a good way to put it too. You because it's different for everybody. And and that's the part that I think that I try to tell people that fall in love with the process. When you fall in love with the process, it takes on a different air, a different spirit of its own. It, it's not work anymore because it's you're enjoying it and you're walking your path. And that that's the part that I, I try to explain to people that when you fall in love with the process, you, it doesn't matter how long it takes. That's irrelevant. There is no, and I'm going to quote Nike here. There is no finish line and you know, but it's very true. And you just love the process. And that is for me, like you said, that's, that was my savior in my process. It, it's very important to me. Yeah. And I mean, you quote, you know, Nike, that's fine. You know, I, I recently saw that movie air, which was a brilliant movie. I haven't seen it yet. I got to see oh it. Oh my, you got to see it. I'm telling yeah, you, looks you awesome. will love it. You will love it. Okay. But it's like, Michael Jordan wasn't just Michael Jordan, Michael. I mean, and this is for everybody. He was cut by his high school basketball coach, okay? Yeah. Michael Jordan wasn't good enough. Greatest player of all time wasn't good enough, right? Yes. Now, you can take that rejection and just give up, or you could say, screw that. Yeah. I will, right? <laughs> I'm going to make and you, you, put in the hours. you cut me. Oh, absolutely. I love him. He's one of my absolute favorite. Well, he's my, my favorite athlete of all time. He's up there, like Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan. There, there's a number of them that are just for me have a very special place in my heart. And those two, Muhammad Ali and Michael Jordan, are are very high up the ladder for me. And I and I yeah. and I I'm, I wouldn't be afraid to even meet him. I did see I, Muhammad Ali. Um, may he rest in peace. I saw him at a Cubs game. I was under the bleacher. I was I was in the deck, uh, not in the bleachers, but in the seats and yep. where the press the, the press walk is. And he was walking up to go to the press box. And I, I was right underneath, so I had a really good line of sight on him. And he did a little rope and open and was doing it, hammering up for the crowd. And like that is for me one of my favorite moments of my life. But just to be able to say that I've seen him in person do the yeah. rope and dope, you know, was like it's just magical for me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, 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 like that's some cool stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, I and I like having managed hotels for a living. I had a lot of the pro team stay with us. Okay. You know, so I got to meet a lot of these guys. I mean, Tiger Woods used to stay in our hotel. Um, and I mean, I, I got to be friends with like Joe Torrey's son. Oh, and really? so, like I, I went to so many Yankee games. One day he surprised me on my birthday and took me to Yankee Stadium for old timers game. He took me through the bowels of the stadium. Wow. Goes, I want to take you somewhere. And it's like, he takes me to his dad's office. He's like, hey, Tommy, how you doing? It's like, hi, Mr. Tory. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. That's amazing. He takes me through the tunnel. And then I had no idea where we were because I'd never been inside the stadium like that. Not like that. Right. We go up three steps, Anthony. And I turn to the right. Whitey Ford. Like it's old timers day. Oh, my God. Yogi Berra. Like all the, yeah. I'm like, holy cow. I mean, I, it was crazy, right? And why? Because I met him at a golf tournament. And and I was pretty far along in my spiritual journey at that time. And this is like in probably uh, 2000. Okay. So the Yankees were in the middle of their heyday. Joe was the manager. Yeah. And I, I, I swear, in 18 holes of golf, we got paired at this like charity golf tournament that he he flew in for, and, and we just randomly got paired together. I'm not exaggerating when I say his phone went off 
probably a hundred times in 18 holes. I'm not exactly like five times a hole. His phone was going off. Jeez. It was like ridiculous. And they were all like, Michael, can you get me a Michael? I need tickets. Michael, can you get me a Jeter? Michael, can you Michael? Can... And I just looked at him. I said, Hey, Michael, you know what? Turn it off we're friends because we're friends. I will never do that to you ever. And I never did. And as a result, I mean, I was at the Aaron Boone game when he hit the home run against the Red Sox. I mean, I, I, I saw it all. And because, because when, when you're not in it for you, you know, I have a thing that I tell the, the guys that I work with. I said, look, do yourself a favor. Because if you're anything like me, you feel so worthless. That's why it's so intimidating when you try to be interesting. Because yeah. deep down, you know that you're not that interesting. And they're yes. going to find out. So do yourself right. a favor. Instead of being interesting, just be interested. Be interested and authentic. Ask, ask them about them because people like to talk about them. And then you're not focused on your head, you know, and yeah. they like that. And Michael appreciated it. And it's a funny story. One day he comes to my house and having managed hotels for years, I had a sports memorabilia collection. It was probably worth a quarter of a million dollars. I mean, like a lot of classic DiMaggio mantle, like cool stuff. Michael Jordan ball. Um, and he, he, he he's looking around and he goes, Oh my God. He goes, you never once. I said, I told you we're going to be friends because we're friends. Yeah. I don't, I'm not bugging you for that stuff. Yeah. He's like, well, what do you want? I was like, nothing. I don't want anything. No, really? What do you want? Yeah. He's like, Michael, I told you. And Michael's a big dude. He literally got in my grill. He's like, look, you mother. What do you <laughs> nothing. Like, all right, fine. Get me a Jeter. All right. Just call it a day. You know, and it's, and I wow. have so many stories like that, you know, Anthony, where, these things that you do for other people, you know, and that's another, it's another quote in my book. Like the last chapter of my book, I, you know, I, I did this whole book and there's a lot of like, there's a lot of golf in there. Cause it started as a golf book. Right. Yeah. Um, but then there's a lot of personal stories that talk about like God's grace and how it, it impacted my life. And I, and I, I had this one month of golf and that was going to be the last chapter of the book where I played five of the top 10 courses in the world and five more in the top hundred in one month. And I kind of just chronologically talked about those in this chapter. I said, like, okay, I'm done. But there was a part of me that's like, eh, you know what? I, I, I don't know. Cause the, I, I told my cousin, I'm not going to write a book about me or about right. literally one morning I'm waking up like every morning I say my prayers, I turn on ESPN I got to get that valuable data right first thing in the morning, right? Who won? Yeah. And ESPN top 10. And it was like a direct download from God. It's like, that's it. I'm going to finish the book with the top 10 things I've learned in my life. Because that's why I wrote the book. To, to give people some hope. To give them something to think about that's more positive. Um, and one of the things in there is um oh my god i lost my train of thought was like not 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 to take things for granted and and like these random acts of kindness that we do my experience has been they they they've always come back 10 times oh yeah for sure it's like uh, every time like karma is real i've never been a member of a private country club since I was 17 years old and my dad got me a membership to like, you know, I've never had one yet. I just compiled a list of the top 50 courses I've played in the world and all 50 are in the top hundred and 40 of the 50 are super private and exclusive. Now, so how does a guy like me yeah. <laughs> get to, you know, and there's a cause and effect because like, if you're just nice and you show appreciation and you, you know, you take time out for somebody else, you might not think at the time that there's anything to that. There's always something to it. Yeah. It's everything. I mean, it absolutely to give with no hope of return in a good way, in a positive way is the best thing in the world to, to truly give, to help someone to be a part of someone's good day or to help them turn their bad day around is amazing. And I, Try very hard to do that if I can, any chance I get. Um, be nice to everybody, be kind. It's it really matters. And you know, Thomas, just as a as a way to close, maybe share with everyone where to find and buy your book, 
um, and you know where to find you. Okay, so you can get my book on Amazon, um, and just just go to Amazon and search Thomas Buckley, Grace and Golf, and there will be links by the way um, in the show notes. Grace and Golf by Thomas Buckley. There'll be yep. links to buy it directly on Amazon. Um, and then you can uh, it, look. Here's another thing that and it's in my top 10. So you're going to have like a little sampling of two of the 10. It's like life is not a dress rehearsal. Okay. This is what we get. This you is gotta, it. You got to grab it and make the most of it. So if you go to Thomas Buck 33 at Instagram or, you know, Thomas Buckley on Facebook, you, you, they're kind of married together. You'll see my pictures and you'll see my life. And like a lot of people's like, dude, what are, you, are you like retired? <laughs> like you're always going somewhere amazing yeah like, no but this is what we get man it's like what am i gonna do sit around and watch tv i mean look sometimes that's cool sometimes that's great but it's like go live your life live and, your life absolutely if you can play being, augusta play augusta yeah that's the one course i have yet to play is it <laughs> yes i've played every other course in the top 20 except for that one wow. but you know what? I'll, I'll keep praying about it but yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah i mean just Live your life, man, and and if 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 you don't take anything for granted, and you and you and you just like look, if you're out there and you're struggling with any kind of addiction, you know, if if you find your passion, this this is what's going to happen to you, and I and I've seen it happen thousands of times. It's like, how how'd you like to wake up after a period of time and not just not be drinking or using anymore? Okay, that that could happen, but how would you like to like wake up? And look in the mirror and actually like the person that's looking back at you. Now, how'd you like that to happen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that doesn't like like we were talking about before, all right, Anthony. It's like the God's grace is like we, we don't have the corner of the market on it, right? Right. That's available for just take the action. Find your passion, take the action, and like this stuff will happen for you. It's 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 a it's a great life. You just gotta go get it. I love it. And Thomas, it's been so great to have you on the show, buddy. And thank you very much for a great conversation. I learned a lot. I had a lot of fun. And it's great to get to know you. Anthony, thanks very much for having me on the show. And uh, I wish you all the best, your future success. And uh, for all the listeners, go get it. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks. Have a great night.